Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer, two of the biggest comedians in the country. But back in the 90s, white comedy clubs wouldn't give them five minutes on stage. This show, we're talking to comedian Lunell about the moment in history that desegregated the comedy scene. Cafe Mocha begins now. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my man, Guy Tory. His new documentary, Fat Tuesday, mm-hmm. is out now <laughs> on Amazon. It's got a lot of comedians talking about the beauty of Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday was um, every Tuesday in Hollywood at the Comedy Store. It was like uh, all the black acts would be there. And Guy Tory started it and booked it. And a lot of great people got jobs because of that. And, and, and you know, a favorite. You think that because it's Hollywood that maybe it's not so racist, but it was the mid 90s. I remember I just moved here and you had the black comedy club. Mm-hmm. in the black neighborhood mm-hmm. and the scouts wouldn't go to Crenshaw to the comedy act theater to check right. out the acts. And South so of Pico was a problem. <laughs> basically, basically guy said, well, let me, let me rent out the little belly room that holds a, a handful of people. And he started bringing in people that weren't superstars yet. I mean, the Chris's Chris Tucker, Chris Rock, Martin, like, you know, Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart, people that hadn't blown up yet. And it became so big mm. and such a big deal. So, you know, as part of, uh, as yeah, part it became of- a moneymaker and it was a way for, you know, on Tuesdays, like, you know, they had the big names, but he also, you know, gave people like me a start. And yeah, I was going to say, and, did you do Fat Leslie. Tuesdays? All did the time. Oh, but um, you had to be ready for Fat Tuesday because there, there was a black crowd. It wasn't, it wasn't the, yeah. the, the, the white crowd <laughs> that was normally there. We, uh, you know, there were plenty of Hennessy. As, uh, at the bar that night, they would double up the Hennessy uh, containers for uh, Fat Tuesday. Tuesday. So, but definitely. Um, so I'm just excited to see it. I'm very proud of him for um, for doing this. And um, it's, you know, being this month, this is is historic. Um, this is part of our black history as well. Now, there's been drama Uh-oh. in the Uh-oh. talk show world. Mm-mm. I've been telling y'all, see, that's the thing. My good you sister, about talk about? My good sister, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> of course. Oh, my Jesus, yes. Made um, some comments. They were having a discussion and they brought up the Holocaust. And Number they, one, don't ever say anything <laughs> that even remotely sounds like 
it's against the Holocaust. Is she not? got us so trained. Like they she got us knows so trained. better. Well, she she said basically that the Holocaust was not about race. It was about man's inhumanity with other men. And then what happened was, um, you know, of course, she got a lot of people upset and angry. So they tried to fix it and they had her go on Stephen Colbert that night. But when she was explaining it, she kind of doubled down and said the same thing. So then um, the next day she did apologize and the show had on uh, someone from like uh, the one of a, a, a Jewish experts. Oh yeah. my God. And they, you know, and she apologized. She gave a great apology, but still, I guess that was not enough for ABC, uh, the president of ABC News. She basically, you know, said that I had a conversation with her and uh, she will have a two week suspension. A timeout. Uh, yeah, it's like a timeout. Reportedly, her co-hosts are upset that she was suspended. Um, and all of this, I'm saying all of this. To say. To say that based on what you saw with her, with what happened with Sharon Osborne being let go, with, you know, changes with daytime talk, what's happening with Wendy Williams. The host does not have control of the show. Well, the host never did. But some people in the past have uh. felt like... <laughs> come on, come on, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Come on, Lottie Cosby. <laughs> Hosts have control over these shows. And I, this is another example that I right. try to tell people that mm-hmm. no host, I don't care how great you are, how powerful, how well liked, you, you are, are not in charge of that show. That show is in char- is is ran by a studio, mm-hmm. and yeah. the studio will put you on timeout. They will fire you. They will hire people that you and you mm. have no type of mm-hmm. you you. I'm I'm like trying to explain this to people. And hmm. again, this is another example. So yeah. when the next time someone is let go and you see a rumor like, oh, they wanted this person fired. That's not, even if they did, they couldn't make it happen. The studio is in control. control. The studio mm. is in control. Her, if, her, if her co-hosts are reportedly bad, there's still nothing they can do about it. Right. There's nothing that they can do about it because that is not their show. They're not in control. And Whoopi is a fan favorite. Yeah. And she if is. you notice, for her to say what she said and still get suspended, wow. wow. When you have yeah. Fox News, they they will never take up for Whoopi. They were taking up for Whoopi. Wow. It's like it's like so. I did all of that to say that we don't have control over these shows. The only shows that you have control over is when it is something that you are executive producing, helping to produce you, and it's your own show. And even then, well, I mean, Roland is different because Roland is, it it is literally his own show. But even if you're executive producer of something, there's still the people that are in charge of signing the checks, the people that green lit your project that ultimately have the final say yeah you know yeah 
Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. I'm Angelique along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. Lunell is one of the hardest working comedians on the planet. She's currently on the road with Cat Williams and is in the HBO series Hacks. Lunell is on the line. And Lunell, we're talking about Guy Tory and his legendary black comedy night called Fat Tuesdays. It pretty much gave aspiring comedians like Tiffany Haddish and Nick Cannon, even Chris Tucker, regular stage time. You were there. Why don't you tell us a bit about what it was like for you and what that night was? There was no place for people to go see continuous black comedy at that time, except south of uh, the 10 freeway off of Crenshaw, where Robin Harris was at the Comedy Act Theater. And at Guy Tory's Fat Tuesday. It also was a huge deal to even have a Black gathering or Black room on Sunset Boulevard. That was like unheard of, and it took a lot of work for him to get out of the little tiny 80-seat belly room down into the main room, which was packed every single night with the hottest Black rappers, the hottest Black celebrities, the boxers, the stars, the models, and everything. It was... Mm -hmm. Um, a time when we sort of were all so hungry at the same time. We met and gathered at these places, and it was an explosion of really good Black comedy at that time. I would dare say that the comedy now is suffering because it is not as good as it was when we was all hungry. You got cancel culture. You got uh, people's sensitivity. You got this ain't nice and this ain't right. But we didn't have that back then. We were just going balls through the wall and it was slap the back back of the person in front of you chair, <laughs> fall down on the floor, spit your drink out, fall down funny. That's when all the people that are put on now curate, curated their, their talent. And um, it was just amazing, amazing time. And the documentary totally captures the mood of that time. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Comedian and actress Lou Nail. Uh, she will be uh, part of the Fat Tuesday Guy Tory docuseries. You also know her from HBO Hacks. She's also the ambassador for Rihanna's uh, Savage Fenty line. And you can see her YouTube show. Hey, Lou Nail. What's up, Lou Nail? Well, hi, everybody. And um, <laughs> just, to, just to correct one little thing, my YouTube show, Hey, Lou Nail, is on hiatus right now because I'm on tour with Cat Williams and I'm not able to do it. But there are 62 episodes up on uh, YouTube. If you want to binge watch, you can do that <laughs> like we binge watch Power and everything else. Okay. And also, it was Savage X Fenty lingerie. Lingerie. Oh, yeah. that's, what, that's what I want to talk about. The, you know, you being an ambassador for the lingerie line, I was so proud because as a plus size woman, I felt like finally it's mm -hmm. something that I can, I actually can wear and it looks good. So how did that come about with, with uh, getting on uh, Rihanna's line? It was totally a fluke. I, you know, <laughs> my, um, there, Rihanna's tour bus driver, was a friend of mine because he had been our tour bus driver when we was on tour with Kat 15 years ago. I kept in, Damon and I remained friends and kept in touch all this time. And he called me on FaceTime one night and I answered, I was looking crazy, laying in bed. I'm like, what's up, dude? And he said, hey girl, we was just watching you on the tour bus. And I said, 
we who? And he said, my client. I said, well, who's your client? And Rihanna popped on the FaceTime. <laughs> oh! uh, uh, well, I was looking crazy and almost broke my nails off trying to get a screenshot of that, which I've never posted, <laughs> but I got it. Uh, and she proceeded to tell me that she's a big fan of comedy and that she was a big fan of mine. Well, I was flabbergasted, you know, mm-hmm. and she was looking all regular, beautiful, but regular, you know, scarf on or whatever. And um, so we were talking and uh, I was, you know, really excited. And I told her that my daughter really liked her, her lingerie and uh, thought it was really classy. And I told her, I said, I wish that you made it in larger sizes. We'd like to wear some lingerie and support a black woman as well. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I do. I said, you do? She said, yeah. I said, well, I want to be a model. She said, okay, let's make it happen. Well, I was, thought it was just like Kiki talking, get off the phone. That was the end of that. Yeah. But in, within two days, Rihanna herself hit me in my DM and asked me for my email. And I gave her my email and shoot, contracts started coming over pay rates started coming over wow. and and then you have to go through a catalog and pick out what you want to model for that month and and you know to get your sizes and they send it then you have to put it on and you have to photograph yourself submit some pictures back and then they tell you which ones they love the most and then you post them you have to do that twice a month well i thought i had bit off more than i could chew actually because when the lingerie came I'm like, oh, Lord, wait a minute. Hold on. How am I going to shoot myself in this and this piece of spaghetti string and look, look good? And I got four brothers, you know, that follow me on Instagram. I'm like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. How can I block them? I don't want them. But but then, you know, it's not like I was doing it for Rainbow. This is Rihanna, you know what I'm saying? So everybody right. kind of, you know, it legitimized the fact that I was a certain age and had my, my behind or my entire body very well shot i might say uh, posted up on instagram twice a month you know i have a daughter she's got friends she had to go through that yo your mom's yo Nell, your mom's you know and, and so it came with a little bit of trepidation but uh at the end of the day I'm re- i was really proud to do it and i got a lot of positive feedback about that yeah you did and it was it was so encouraging you know, but I, well, this is the thing that I like about you, Lunel, and this is the question, is that have you always been outspoken? Have you always been, you know, authentic and real or did it come about? Because it, it's even, it, please follow her on IG, follow Lunel on IG. She has the greatest posts. <laughs> did it take you time to, to, to say, this is who I am, this is what I'm gonna be to be fearless or were you always like that? Well, first of all, like a lot of people think they know me, but they actually don't. I'm the eighth of eight children. I have mm. seven brothers and sisters. I have 17 nieces and nephews. I was raised away from my brothers and sisters. I was raised in California. My brothers and sisters were raised in the South. We all have a wicked, wicked sense of humor. I'm not the funniest one in my family. My entire sibling tribe except for my oldest brother ain't got no good sense of humor but uh but uh the rest of us are just are, are very wittily uh uh gifted and um we are also the type that have very cutting type of humor where you know if you don't have a thick skin you probably don't want to hang around us at the, at the cookouts you know <laughs> but i but being that i was raised in the bay area 
I went from Oakland to the suburbs of Castle Valley. I was raised and educated in all white schools. I developed a sense of humor, I think, because I used to be very quiet, little Janet Jackson, like being eighth, you know, just like anybody trying to listen to me. But um, when I started being myself, is because when, like, when things bother me, or if somebody bothered me, or I saw injustice or whatever, if I didn't say anything, it sort of made me sick. It sort of made me physically sick to hold things in that I wanted to say. And just uh, at some point, I just started blurting out what I felt, blurting out what I said, what I meant, and I sort of felt better. It was like freeing. It was like made my pressure go down. And I just uh, been that way ever since. Uh, but I didn't start out that way, no. Well, I love it, Lunell. I mean, because it's something refreshing and it's something that's needed, especially from us as black as black women. Uh, it's Cafe Mocha on the line, comedian and actress Lunell. Um, also brand ambassador for Rihanna's Savage Fenty lingerie line. And you're on tour right now with Cat Williams, mm-hmm. the World War Three tour. I know. I love Cat. I, I love you. I, I, it. <laughs> it's a hundred city tour. We've mm-hmm. only done about maybe 32, maybe, maybe 31 or two cities so far. So we'll probably be booked through the end of the year. It's a great because Cat's been my friend for like 20 years. We, we met in Oakland, me and Red Grant met in Oakland, me and Mark Curry are from Oakland, and all of us are on the tour. And the three of us, me, Red, and Kat, were on tour together 15 years ago. Mm. For, mm. for 15 years to pass and to reunite again, I don't think it's been done before, and I never thought it would happen to me. But here we are, friends for all these years, back on the road together, literally having a ball everywhere that we go. And um, also with it being Corona, you know, when we started the tour 15 years ago, we were playing improvs and stuff like everybody else. It was Mm -hmm. five of us, four of us to a dressing room. But now we, it's a different time. And not only because of Corona, but because of cast popularity, we're doing arenas only. So everything is, you know, 5,000 mm-hmm. seats and up. I'm not sure if comedy is the same as hip hop, where they only allow one female per tour. But I wanted to ask you, how does it feel being the only female on a hundred city tour? Well, I'm not the only female, actually, oh, okay. yo. And how okay. you doing, girl? How you there's doing, three love? Openers. <laughs> there's three openers. There's Aaron Thompson, okay. who was a former LAPD and quit his job mm. to be on tour with us because his calling is really comedy. And I had met him at the Savoy and I told him, I said, I'm going to get you off these streets before something happens to you. And he started going out on tour with me because I had a tour going on before I got with Kat. So we called the three of us, myself and Shay Sugar, my, my, my cousin, comedian Shay Sugar, and Aaron Thompson. We called us up the tour within the tour. But Aaron, there's three like openers before the, the big part of the show starts. So there's Aaron Thompson, comedian Jen Thomas, Zoo, Zoo Miller. Then okay. Red Grant comes out and then Mark Curry, and then myself, and then Kat. So mm. there's people on stage as you're walking in and all that stuff, and as everybody gets settled, you know, it's just a rite of passage. Everybody got to go to that opener spot, you know, when people are coming in and getting their seats and all that, too bad, you know, but the three of them go on before the big, big part of the show starts. So there's really um, seven of us that are on, on the tour. And can I say, Lunell, I mean, and you, you know where I'm coming from, 
Cat Williams can put together a show, but he also can sell out the show with no advertisement. What? Yeah, we're not doing a lot of yeah, we're not doing a lot of interviews. I mean, I probably do more interviews than anybody. Mm. Uh, we're, but we're not doing the interviews. There's no you know big flyer campaign. There's no commercial on the radio or anything like that. We just put the tickets up and let the chips fall where they may. And like I said, it's five thousand seats and up. We've done all kind of all kind of arenas, and um, you know it's a um, it's a trip for me. Because, you know, I still perform in the clubs as well, but then I go out with, with Kat as, as well. So I'm still doing, like, sort of balancing both. And uh, that's the power, of, because at first, when we started the tour, I'm sure people wanted to come to see, is, is he going to show up? What kind of state is he going to be in? Is he funny? Well, yes, yes, and yes. And mm-hmm. people are leaving the arena, wiping the tears from their eyes, talking about <laughs> us in the car, posting on Insta Story, posting on Instagram, and we're killing the game. And you know, we're not no mamsy pamsy nice kid type of comic. Pat is raw, I'm mm-hmm. raw, yeah. Red Grant is raw, and Mark Curry has become raw because he was <laughs> even saying that during his time as hanging with Mr. Cooper, he had to always be aware of his image to be Mr. Nice Guy. But, you know, Mark suffered a terrible burn accident about nine years ago when he almost died. He was in a coma and everything at a home. uh, He had an accident in his home where he caught on fire. And then after he healed and came back on the comedy circuit, he sort of had a effort attitude and he was able to let himself go. That Mark Curry is slaying out here on this tour. He is not Mr. Cooper. That was a character. Oh, he is Mark Curry oh from Oakland, California. And we stand on the side and watch him every night and every night it's tears because he's goofy, he's funny, and he's crazy. And the tour is amazing. <laughs> I love and, and, it. And he's stupid on Instagram. Let's not forget that. His posts Let's are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they are. He's ignorant. It's crazy. And I've been knowing him for, you know, many, many years because, you know, I know Mark when he used to work at the grocery store. Check out Lunell in the Amazon Prime docu-series, Fat Tuesdays. The conversation continues on Cafe Mocha. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag. Hosted by Rashawn McDonald. Thank you, ladies. It's Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass. I sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner, Alan Maldonado. He's an actor, writer, director, and an entrepreneur. He runs his own clothing line and has an app. Alan shared how to maintain balance when you got a lot of irons in the fire. Well, for me, I had to understand balance. I had to understand balance, as you know, in, in the last four years. And, you know, it's been it's been crazy. God has given me everything I wanted. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is what you've been asking for for years. Now go do something with it. I just have to be adamant, just as focus and goal-driven for business and in acting success, I got to be uh, driven in my personal and self-care. If you want to listen to this full interview with Alan Maldonado, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Cafe Mocha. This is Cafe Mocha. Comedian Lunell is on the line. Yo, yo, you had a question? You have worked your way all the way to the top. Your work ethics are incredible. I have watched you over the last 10 years just the hard work. I mean, how's your health? I know you had a setback just a while ago. How's your health? Oh, well, I did have COVID uh, eight days and I was done because I was vaxxed when I got it. Just saying. I did go through two knee replacement surgeries during quarantine, which helped to change my life and give me the quality of my life back. But let's be clear. I am nowhere near the top. I've worked my way to the middle, but I'm not at the top. I've never been a regular on a television show. I've never had a television show. I've never had a special. I've never had a parking space. I've never done anything like that. People just see me pop up because I do so many things because I'm a reoccurring character on the HBO Max television show, Hacks with Gene Mm -hmm. Smart. I'm on that. Nobody would expect that. Yeah, Hacks is a mess. (laughs) I just taped four episodes. I did one episode last season. And the show got nominated for 15 Emmys out the gate. And Uh so they brought me back and I've taped four episodes already for the new season. I do stuff like that. You know, and I pop up on, you know, Lonnie's show before and stuff like that. And, you know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nowhere near the top. I wouldn't say people got their foot on my neck, but while I'm an underground people favorite, Uh maybe not so much a favorite to the network people because I'm not playing the game. I'm not playing by their rules. They're going to have to play by mine a little bit because Uh I can clearly live without any of that. I'm doing fine financially and spiritually, but I'm just saying, you know, they, they, they like a certain type of person who likes to get along and I love to get along, but I'm also very black woman empowered. I'm also very vocal about racism. I'm also very vocal about female uh, rights and you know stuff like that and if they don't mm-hmm. want to do right by me then you won't see me on any of that stuff and I'll continue just to make the people happy because at the end of the day no matter what show it is it's always about the people they're mm-hmm. the ones who give you the ratings and stuff like that and I can hold my head up in Beverly Hills and on Crenshaw so everybody hey. can't do that either you well, need to I guess put that in you- a bottle <laughs> I mean, you know, okay. so many, so many of us come out here and feel like we have to sell our souls and we yeah. are happy to do it, thinking that we're going to get somewhere and then wind up not getting anywhere. And then we have no career and no soul. So thank you for, you know, thank you yeah. for standing up for what you believe in and showing that you can have both. Yeah, you she's know. a, she's well, a you know, an example. Well, you know, the thing about it is if you're going to get in mainstream television, there are rules and regulations that you do have to abide by. The problem with me is that I'm not good with rules and regulations, (laughs) you see. And, uh, I, you know, I have to have the type of freedom to be me. You know, we're we're currently like I want to be the next black woman in late night. Mm -hmm, I don't think mm -hmm. that I'm a daytime TV type of chick, but Mm -hmm. I do want to crack that old white boy thing of late night. And I don't want to do the same pattern. I don't want to come out and do the monologue and sit down. And blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do it like that. I'm more of a, they used to have a show that I would like to pattern my show after 
um, years ago, they used to have a show called Playboy After Dark. It was very relaxing. Hugh Hefner uh, had the show, and he would have people on like Paul Mooney and Dick Gregory, but he would also have musical artists on, and people were lounging around and having drinks. Snoop even did a show like that <laughs> uh, years back. But I want my thing to be more like that. And they've had black women late night before, but they haven't had the right one because I'm the right one. Sounds like you're that. on your way. <laughs> she is. You know what the thing is? And it's no excuse in this day and age where we have all these uh, stations, we have all these streaming services. You know, it's 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 not just, you know, you are a rule breaker, but it's also about racism and sexism in this industry. And that's what you constantly fight. And that's why we will constantly try to uplift as much as we can for you on the platform. Now, before we go, um, the last time I saw you was at the wonderful Paul Mooney's wake at the Laugh Factory. And you actually, you were wonderful mistress of ceremonies. Can you tell me a fond memory of him and what made him so great? Well, Paul Mooney, like myself and Mark and Laura Hayes is from, you know, Oakland, California. And you get a certain ghetto say qua, I'll say, for lack of a better <laughs> word, when you're from from Oakland. And uh, I always looked up to him because he was an icon that I could easily see. And I trotted around behind Mooney for years trying to get his attention. Mooney only likes you if he respects you. Mm-hmm. And 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 after he finally got a chance to sit down and watch me, his respect grew and we became great friends. I've been in the bed with Paul. I've been on planes with Paul and on buses with Paul. And I miss my friend dearly. Um, I remember that um, like Paul, like like soul food. But, you know, uh, toward uh, getting in later in his life, his uh, cousin who traveled with him would always try to keep Paul on a you know low carb diet and stuff like that. But I was I was always the one sneaking him some sweet potato pie or maybe, you know, <laughs> egg and bacon sandwich or something like that. I was the anti Christ when it came to uh Paul's diet. We um you know, we've we've been halfway around the world together because uh when he was touring with Dick Gregory toward the latter years of his life, it was me and Paul and Dick Gregory together. And then when I couldn't do it any longer because I had other commitments, then, then I, you know, passed the torch on to Melanie Camacho, and Melanie went out with them as well. Um, I just know that Paul has been a huge influence in my life. I know that Paul was a big cheerleader for me, speaking up and not taking any trash. Paul was a big uh, influence in the style of humor that I do, which is just me. Like I don't sit down and write out my material that. Like people think comics sit and you write, you got to do to develop the joke. I don't do that. Basically, I get paid to talk and be myself. I, if I, I, I don't, uh, uh, people call that being a scripted comic. If you go, they go to New Jersey, they go to Chicago, they go to San Francisco and do the same material. I don't ever do two shows the same because mm-hmm. something might happen on the way to the show. And I want to talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, and I know how to spin a story and make it humorous because I have a Bachelor of Arts degree in English literature, another Uh note that people don't know. And I know how to construct a story and I have the gift of gab. It's a gift. So I don't, you know, I'm more of a, like a spontaneous type person. And, and even though Paul had material that he had developed, he was very off the cuff as well. Cause you know, sometimes I go on in the audience and now Paul's not doing anything that he came that he thought he was going to do. And now he's doing <laughs> stuff about that. And I'm, I'm sort of that way. 
Yeah. Well, you know, Linnell, it's always good to talk to you, sis. And I just wish you well. You guys, you can catch comedian actress Lunell on the World War III tour with Cat Williams. Go to LiveNation.com for those tour dates. There are a lot of dates out there. You can also catch her on HBO Hacks. Great show. Smart. Great show. And she's the ambassador for Rihanna, Miss Mama to be. <laughs> and let, let, I know. Ooh, that ASAP <laughs> Rocky, he's a smack, lucky girl. But I, I just want to give you guys a shout out too because Mocha's been going on quite a while. Lonnie, I, I don't even know if your TV people know about this radio program <laughs> that you. You've been on here for years. And yo, yo. Girl, we're going to have to have a talk about this reality TV, girl, because I never would have thought in my wildest days that I'd look up and see you on uh, Love and Hip Hop. But, you know, you are. It's how you met your success. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's exposure as well, because, you know, out of sight, out of mind with these people these days. So, you know, it's, it's a good look, I think. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Lunel. We appreciate you. Thank you, ladies. Right on, right on. Right on. Lunel currently on the road with Cat Williams coming to a town near you. You can also check her out in the must-see docu-series called Fat Tuesdays about how one guy helped launch the careers of so many big names in black comedy and integrated comedy clubs across the nation. Fat Tuesdays is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. I'm Angelique. Did you know in the 1990s, comedy clubs were still segregated? George Wallace explains. The comedy store on Sunset in West Hollywood, it was just the thing to do back in the 70s and 80s. But John Witherspoon being the MC at the comedy store, yeah, that's about as much black as you're going to see. The Amazon docuseries Fat Tuesdays gives us a black history lesson in comedy that includes a teenage Tiffany Haddish doing stand-up. Well, we got two TVs too, but they stacked up on top of each other. And one's for, you know, picture and one is for sound. And if my little sister hold the hanger, you know, the wire hanger antenna's just right, we get color. <laughs> Even Dave Chappelle talks about the impact. There's some rare shit. I don't never do interviews with anybody because I always regret them, but this is funny. Fat Tuesday was such an underrecognized cultural moment. It was a very significant one. This, this integration of Sunset Boulevard it never went back after this. Fat Tuesdays is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. That's the espresso. It's Cafe Mocha. I'm Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. It's that time of the year, money time, filing your income tax time. On the line, we have someone well-versed in Black money and money in general. Terry Williams, president and COO of One United Bank and author of the children's book, I Got Bank, What My Granddad Taught Me About Money. Terry Williams, welcome to Cafe Mocha. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here with you. Yeah, just It's just an honor to be here. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. I keep hearing about the importance of, you know, having an account in a Black bank. Can you tell us why that's important? Yes, um, it is important. And Black banks are important not only to our history, but also uh, to our future. Um, first of all, there have been black banks since the early 1800s. 
Um, there was a time when we could not bank with a white bank or, um, you know, other banks that were here in the U.S. And we created our own banks to provide credit to our community and to help us build wealth. Um, when things became more integrated, um, we, you know, I'm going to say ran <laughs> um, to the other institutions. But if you look at their history, you can see that even the national banks give a very small percentage. In fact, uh, the exact number is 2% of their home loans to black folks. Um, give a very small percentage of their business loans to black folks, um, whereas black banks serve black people. You know, I'm sitting here in Crenshaw and in L.A. and South Central. We're about to open up a branch in Compton. Uh, we're in Liberty City in Miami. Um, we're in Dorchester and Roxbury in Boston, and, and we're actually online everywhere. We have customers in all 50 states. And um, we bank black people. Um, we provide loans, deposits, and services that are affordable. And our focus is really, uh, first of all, we're unapologetically black. And our focus is to figure out ways to build wealth in the black community. And you just can't get that from anyone in any other place than a black bank. Terry, during the racial reckoning, all these banks, uh, Chase and Bank of America, all of them said, oh, we're going to start giving you more home loans. We're going to start. And they devoted allegedly hundreds of millions. Well, did that actually happen or was that just a press release? <laughs> well, in some cases, um, progress is being made. And I, I um I actually applaud those institutions for taking steps. Um, however, there still is a huge gap. And, you know, the, you know, some of the challenges that our community face are not being directly served by other institutions. Um, we have, you know, 49% of, of the black community is either underbanked or unbanked. Mm. Um, we are twice as likely to get turned down for a home loan as a, as a white family. Um, our homes are being appraised. Same home uh, in a black community is a, being appraised significantly less than in a white community. So if we're you know, trying to get a loan, our, our, our loan is going to be smaller if we're, you know, if we're trying to finance a home in a black community. You know, we have to figure out ways to lift ourselves up. Right. Talking about lifting us up. Can you talk about your passion for financial literacy? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, so I, I've always been passionate about, about financial literacy. Um, really, as a child, I remember, and I, you know, I'm going to date myself, but we used to take these Sunday drives. <laughs> And we used to go into these neighborhoods and I'd look around and I'd see these, you know, wonderful homes. And, you know, at the time we lived in, you know, in the hood and I'd look at these wonderful homes and say, how do these people have all this? And we don't, you know, my parents work, they, you know, do all of these things. And I didn't realize um, what was happening. 
I didn't realize that they couldn't actually buy homes in those communities. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, what it takes to be successful, you know, and it, it's one of those things that I, I, my passion is to ensure that every child actually understands what's going on as it relates to money. I don't want any child to be, you know, driving around and not being able to understand, you know, the difference between, you know, income and wealth, the difference, uh, you know, credit scores, check systems records. You know, the reason that I wrote the book, I Got Bank, is because I didn't see any children's books that were speaking to the issues in our community. You know, their children's books had, you know, white picket fences and lemonade stands, well, you know, that may exist in suburbia, but in our urban communities, you know, we have other things that we have to deal with. So, you know, for me, my passion became, I didn't understand this when I was a kid. I don't want anyone to grow up not understanding money. All righty. The book is called I Got Bank, What My Granddad Taught Me About Money. If you want to go get a free checking <laughs> yeah. account, unheard of. Thank yeah. you. Uh, go to oneunited.com. Terry Williams, thank you so much for joining Cafe Mocha. That wraps up the show on KBLA Talk 1580. If you miss any part of the show, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in Cafe Mocha Radio, click subscribe, problem solved. Until next weekend. You know where to find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media, executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com.